Okay, so just one thing that I want to start off with. Who of you in the last while have been in conversations, maybe a little awkward conversations about the vaccine? Okay. Who of, those convers- who of you have been in conversations where those conversations got maybe a little heated? Okay. And, and even some relationships took strain because of those conversations. Who of you have been in those conversations? Okay. Great. So as the as the pastor, I want to say that we need to be really careful in the way that we communicate about controversies, okay? Because they are not the irreducible minimum of the gospel. The irreducible minimum of the gospel is Jesus was that died on the cross, and therefore we have access to God. If those things, if they... If those teachings and the things that you believe about the vaccine or not believe about the vaccine, if they don't touch this, then it is not important enough to break a relationship. Okay, so I want us to be very careful when we have conversations around this. Okay, so this morning I shared about uh, my wife and I getting the, getting the jab and we're not, we're not propagating and saying, hey, everybody must get vaccinated. That's not who I am, and that's not my, my goal in life. But you need to hear from the Lord whether you need to go and be vaccinated. If you hear, yes, go. If you don't hear anything, don't go. And there's somebody after church came to me and said, hey, thank you, Amor, for sharing this. We have really difficult conversations within our family because of, people believing that you shouldn't get vaccinated or it's the mark of the beast or whatever it might be. And I said, okay, but let's steward this from a place of grace. Let's allow for the Holy Spirit to enter those conversations so that people can come closer to Jesus. So that was one conversation. Other lady came to me and said, hey, she's being forced at work to get a vaccine. And that's also wrong. The control thing is, is the worst that is the problem, okay? So what I'm saying, hear from the Lord, be wise, and do what God told you to do, okay? And do not allow for this thing to bring disunity in the body of Christ. The most important thing that we have in life is our love for God and our love for people. Amen. Great. Can I just pray for us for this so that we can actually utilize these opportunities so to bring in peace, to bring in Jesus. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that, that you're a holy God and a God that's loving and kind. Lord, in, in the times that we are living, there's so many opinions about so many different things, Lord. But, and we know that some of those opinions are true and some of those opinions are not true, Lord. But we're also not always sure, Lord. And we want to take the humble route and we want to say we submit to the word of the Lord, Lord. And we, especially in this area of, or the discussions around the vaccination, Lord. We submit our opinions to the word of the Lord, Lord, and we understand that that is not crucial to the gospel. Although there's repercussions in choosing one or the other, Lord, we understand that that will not take somebody into hell or into heaven, Lord. So we just submit our opinions. We submit our our discussions to you, Lord, and we ask in the name of Jesus, you will come in and you will bring peace, that we will be messengers of peace so that, so that Jesus can be glorified and that actually people from the outside will look in and they will say, wow, I can see Jesus in your conversation. I can see that you guys differ, but I can see Jesus and I want to be part of this. Lord, use this 
as a time for the church to harvest and to bring in um, lost souls in the name of Jesus. Amen. Great. Okay, so we're talking about eternity, okay? So we've been using this illustration, the rope. Where have you seen this? It's actually an old illustration from, from Francis Chan, but it's brilliant. And it will help you to keep the perspective of eternity. So the great thing about eternity is it gives you perspective. Because who of you have tried to figure out eternity? It's difficult. As our minds can't grasp it, but the Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that our hearts have eternity inside them. So somehow, the way that we are created, we can grasp it with our hearts. And I believe, therefore, it's also, that's why it's so important to love God from a place of our, of our hearts. Okay, so the problem with eternity, it's long. We're going to spend eternity in one place or other. What are the two options? The one option is heaven. The other option is hell. So hell's definition is without Jesus, without God, without His goodness, without His, His kindness, His mercy. Nothing of God's going to be present in hell. In heaven, all of God's going to be present. So now that is where we're going to spend eternity. But we have this little bit of time. This yellow piece represents our lives here on earth. We have this little bit of time to make a decision for Jesus so that we will spend the rest of our time. That's actually no time because if there's not an end to time, it doesn't exist. We're going to be outside of time with the Lord. Yes, it's already confusing. So I want to use this still as the framework, but I want to talk to you about eternal rewards. And I should have actually titled the sermon Eternal Judgments. But because of our wrong understanding of judgment, I cannot use that word. Because most of you think, when you think of judgment, you think of, I've done something wrong and I'm going to get it now. I'm going to end up in prison. Or I'm going to end up in the principal's office. Or I'm going to end up, Luke's going to have a coffee with me and he's going to tell me, I'm not allowed to ever come into church again. So that's what you think of judgment. That's most of us, our perspective of judgment. But, but the Lord has a different perspective. And just, just by the way, Hebrews 6, when it talks about the elementary teachings, it talks about a couple of things, and it also talks about eternal judgment as an elementary teaching. So in other words, it's like you going to school, and they, they start you off with the foundation phase, so you need to learn how to write. That is the teaching on eternal judgment. It's how to write or how to, how to read. Those things are the elementary teachings that we teach in school, but eternal judgment should be an elementary teaching when it comes to Christianity. So it's so important to understand this because it will get your perspective, give you perspective, but also it will help you to stay on the right, on the right track. Because it has to do with the fear of the Lord. Also with the kindness of the Lord, but especially with the fear of the Lord. Sometimes I don't do evil stuff, not because I love the Lord, but because I fear the Lord. Because sometimes the love of the Lord is cold in my heart just because of, just because of how I feel. Because sometimes I'm emotional, even as a pastor. 
But because of the fear of the Lord, it catches me. And it keeps me from actually doing this sin or doing this wrong, unethical thing or whatever it is. So it's so important to get that right. So when we talk about judgment, we often have a misunderstanding when it comes to the concept of judgment. So I, I want you to, to change that understanding into a biblical one. And we're going to start with Psalm 96, 11 to 13. So I actually want you to take these scripture verses down and go and read them at home. Especially the first three that I'm going to read tonight. And you go and meditate on them. So listen to this. It's talking about judgment. So let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Does this sound like a scripture talking about judgment? No. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For He comes. He comes to do what? To judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people's in his faithfulness. So it's this picture that's being painted like the whole earth is excited for something is coming. What's going to come? The judge going to come. Why? Because they understand, creation understand, that the judge is a good judge. Second scripture, Psalm 67, 4 and 5. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Again, get excited because God's about to judge. And then Psalm 35, the psalmist goes even further and he says, Judge me, Lord my God, according to your righteousness. So where we often in conversations are like, hey, don't judge me. You're judging me. Don't judge don't judge. Don't judge me. So the psalmist here is saying, hey, this is a prayer to pray. Why not praying, God, judge me. Let's, let's be biblical in our prayer life. Say, God, judge me. Why? Why is the psalmist saying this? Because he knows this judge is not an unrighteous judge. This judge is a good judge. Because if you are innocent, if you know that you are in right standing with the law and you want to do the right thing, you love the judgments of the righteous judge. You love it. And if you are in Jesus, you are righteous because of what he has done. So therefore, we can boldly come to that throne of judgment. Hebrews and also John speaks about it. We have boldness. So the judge is there and the Christian should go, the judge! Wow! But what we do is like judgment. Let me just first sort out my porn addiction. Let me just first sort out my unethical behavior or, or me not doing my tax returns properly or whatever. The Bible says go. Go to the judge because you can have boldness in front of the judge of all heaven and earth. So can you see how, 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 how this is challenging our concept of who God is? And we're going to get to how, how important it is to just pursue God. So God wants us to cry out for the judge and for judgment because it's a good thing. 
And by the way, it is good to cry for judgment on this side. It's a lot better in this piece. When you're 34 years old, cry out, God, I need your judgment right now. So, Lord, my relationship with my girlfriend, is it holy, is it pure? Judge me right now. I want to mess up. Lord, my relationship with my parents, my relationship with, with being a servant or my relationship with, with, with peers or peer pressure, judge me now, Lord. I want to hear what are you saying? Because the judge brings right from, or it discerns between right and wrong. Like this is right, Dharma, this is wrong. This is good and this is bad. This will bring blessing to your life and this will destroy your life. Who doesn't want that kind of voice in your head all the time? I would love that all the time. No, Armand, not so harsh. Not so hard on your kids. Softer. Hey, look your wife in the eyes. Listen to her. Listen to what she's saying. You're going to forget. You're going to get into the shop and you're going to forget what she told you to buy. Luckily, yesterday, when she told me to go and buy hamburger buns, the kids heard it because my phone was on loud loudspeaker. And when we drove into our driveway, one of the kids like, and Dad, when are we going to buy the hamburger buns? <laughs> and then we drove quickly. And I arrived there at the house, and I'm like, the hamburger buns, just for you. No, not really. But I didn't tell her that I forgot about it. <laughs> okay, so, so God is the judge. We should pursue the judge. We should come into the judge's presence with boldness. We should love judgment. And, and with his judgment, actually just giving a judgment, it is a reward. Whether you've done, if, when you've done good, obviously you get a good reward. If you've done bad, you get a bad reward. We often only focus on the bad rewards. So Hebrews 11.6 speaks about this. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. It's part of having faith. It's just to know that God's going to reward you. And He's going to reward you even on this side of, of death. He wants to reward you. If you, the moment you receive forgiveness... Most of you must go and visit that place of your born-again experience. What did you experience? You experienced peace with God. Suddenly my sins are forgiven. My horrible sins. And I've had the privilege of leading many people to Christ and seeing them being forgiven the, most wor the worst sins that you can ever imagine. And they would stand there like, how could God have forgiven me for this specific sin? And they just cry. They're like, wow, amazing. So these are rewards. There's, there are rewards. And then something that John Mavere pointed out in his book, Driven by Eternity, it comes from 2 John 8. He says, Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for. In other words, be diligent to steward what you have gained through your relationship with the Lord and laboring as a Christian but may win a full reward. In other words, take care of how you walk as a Christian because you might lose your full reward. You might gain access to heaven, but there are more rewards waiting for you. Don't lose the full reward. 
So if there's a full reward, there can also be a 20% reward. It's like Moses. Moses went into, into the desert, into the wilderness, and what was his full reward? The full reward was for him to go into the promised land. Did he get there? No. He was a great pastor. don't know how, how many people he had under him, but he was a massive Mega church pastor, only two of his people received the full reward. Only two of his people. So, and that was Joshua and Caleb. So God's calling us to steward our lives and the grace and the gifts that God has given us in such a way that we will get into the promised land. And your promised land is probably way beyond what you can ever imagine or think any, it's way beyond what you can ever imagine to even accomplish. In other words, this, the task that was assigned to you. You think, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a mother and I'm just going to be caring for these little two kids. But you don't know those two kids might be nation changers. But if you steward well what God has given you and just be obedient, for some people it just be obedient to raise two kids for some people, it's going to be to, to put up a national, multinational company in all five continents, even Antarctica. You just build that thing, or to be a teacher, or to be a, a finance guru, or to be an influencer on YouTube, whatever God's calling you to do. And if you do it faithful, then God's reward will be the full reward. Don't miss the full reward. So many of us settle for, hey, pass put into heaven, great, tick. Now we can go and do other stuff. It's, it's so stupid. Why do we do that? Great. So we will be judged. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, 14. So Solomon's going on about everything is just chasing off the wind. It comes to nothing. And he says at the end of this book, very confusing book if you want to read it, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. That is the truth. The wisest man in the Old Testament is writing this. Now coming to the New Testament, the one that God so loved, the beloved disciple John has this epiphany, vision of what's going to happen in the end times. And in Revelation 20, 11 to 15, he pens this down. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From this presence, from his presence, earth and sky fled away. Imagine that. Earth and sky couldn't stand the glory of Jesus. And they just, they just fled. The creation couldn't stand the creator's presence. They just fled. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So judgment will come. There are a bunch of other scriptures also referring to this one 
day where we will be judged. The day, so to speak. And then that day, the most important question that you need to answer is, what did you do with Jesus? Eodia is probably going to run in there, and before she can even get the question, she will be through the door, because she will know. She has done well with Jesus. She has made him her Lord and Savior. And by the way, we are allowed to say that about people. Eodia is just one of them. She will probably run through the doors before Peter even signed in. So that's the most important thing. But then we also be judged according to what we have done. And I don't know how heaven's going to work. And you can go into many books written about what heaven's going to look like. But there will definitely be levels of authority given to the saints of Jesus. And it would be different for different people. And it's going to look a lot different than the levels that we see in our society. It might be the, the single mom praying for her kids every day, raising them as God-fearing kids. They might end up right in the front with all the glory. Just because they were faithful in what God has called them to do. Because it's according to what you have been called to do. Not according to what people think or what you think. It's according to what God has called you to do. Some of you, God's going to call and say, Hey, George is your comfort zone. Go. It's beautiful. You're going to go to a place. There are no mountains. But hey, it's your calling to go there. Because I speak to my my pastor friends that's working inland, he says, yes, everybody's getting the call from the Lord to come to George. But nobody comes to us. God has forsaken us. Jokingly, he's saying that. So there will be judgment, and we'll be judged according to the word, John 12, 48. It says, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So study your Bible, most important book to study. Hear what Jesus is saying, because you will be judged according to this. Are you obedient to what God has called you to be obedient to? Do you love God? Do you love your neighbor? Do you disciple people? Do you... Do you believe that God has given you something to give to the world? Are you impacting the people in your sphere of influence? Are you trusting the Lord for souls to be saved? Are you trusting the Lord that everybody in your sphere of influence will eventually make it through the yellow piece into eternity with you? Do you walk into a room and, and then suddenly just overwhelmed by the compassion that the Lord has for the people in this room? And God wants to give that to you if you pursue Him. So how do we get the full reward? First one, number one, diligently seek Him. You seek Him, seek Him, seek Him, seek Him. Have quiet time. Spend long hours with Jesus. And not only in the morning, spend it through the day. Pray to Him. Ask Him, Lord, what do you think? Lord, Allow me to meet people that I must impact today. 
Second one, get planted in the house and you will flourish. Psalm 92, 13. So get planted in a community like this. Say, hey, this is my house. I'm going to be planted. I'm not only going to come to church. I'm going to be the church. We're going we're gonna to serve in this building and we're going to serve outside of the building. We're going to make friends. Even if I don't like people, I'm going to make friends. I'm going to love people. If you can't love the people in this community, you're going to really struggle to love the people outside of this community. And yes, I am not perfect as a pastor. You can ask my wife. I forget hamburger buns. It's a lot of other stuff that I also forget. But you need to say, hey, I'm going to submit myself to the leadership of this church. And I'm going to ask them, hey, what can I do? How can I help? How can I assist? And also, hey, you now are allowed to speak into my life and to guide me in line with, with what God's saying. Hey, God's saying this to me. Can I, can I do this? Can, I, can, he, can you help me? Can you assist me? What should I do? Can I go do a Bible school? How can we build what God is doing in my life so that we will impact the nations? So get planted. Put your roots down. Say, this is my family for better and for worse. That's why marriage is such a beautiful concept. You stand there and you don't really know what you're saying, but you're saying, hey, for better or for worse. I'm going to say yes to this goal every day of my life. It's a massive commitment. I was 24 years old when I made that commitment. I can't believe I made that commitment. I still feel so irresponsible. The other day I said to Eva, Eva, I can't believe I'm your dad. How can I be a dad of a 10-year-old? I still feel so irresponsible. I still get into trouble for hurting them or playing too rough with them or whatever. But, I, but I'm not a dad of four kids. It's crazy. But you need to say yes to the community. Yes to the people around me. Say, hey, if I'm going to stay in George, I'm going to be make best friends with the people in my circle, even if I don't like them. I'm going to work in friendships. Because that will ultimately also determine your destiny. Somebody said, show me your five best friends and I will show you your destiny. Third one, put aside the entanglements of security. Where do you place your security? And this could be placing your security in the fact that you're educated, maybe even in the color of your skin, maybe in your dad's house, maybe in the fact that you have a trust fund going for you, maybe in the fact that you earn a lot of money now as with, with salary-wise. But if God's calling you to a specific area or to a specific, for a specific purpose, all of that must come second. They must, like, okay, great, no, I'm going to leave that. I'm rather going to go for that. God, no, that's, it sounds stupid. Your mom, your parents, everybody's going to say, no, but you have to go for that. Yes, I'm not saying education is bad. I'm saying you need to hear from the Lord and with a community of believers, you need to make a wise decision. And wisdom, by the way, starts with the fear of the Lord not with safety and security. Second one is money. Money entangles us. I spoke to a pastor friend of mine. He made 20 grand a month trading cryptocurrencies for six months. He says, he's like, wow, man, I was rocking it, man. And he's good. He's really good. He says, oh, you know what? But the Lord spoke to me and said it became a distraction. And it was a distraction. 
He's still trading cryptocurrencies, but he's, he's not so fully into all of that because he understands that there's a line now. If he crosses that line, he's missing his calling. And he's not only wanting to live well this side of eternity, he wants to live well that side of eternity. And then the third one is, so money must never be a determining factor for what you're going to do or where you're going to spend your life. Third one, relationships. If you have people in your life that speak into your life, that's great, and that love you, it's great. But if God tells you to do something, you have to do it. Because your first responsibility is towards God. So this could mean your wife and yourself are now living lacquer here in George. Spill kings with golf, and you're living lacquer, and it's amazing. You're earning decent salary, kids are in good school. One morning, God wakes you up and says, Hey, now you go. I want to send you to small Karua town. You've been called to a Karua town. Now you need to obey the Lord. And you've been faithful, you have good character, you phone your best friend that's also. It's always been a good sounding board. And he says, listen here, I know if God speaks to you, you need to obey. But your wife doesn't want to listen. Your wife's not into it. What are you going to do? You need to labor in such a way that eventually your wife also understands. Because in marriage, by the way, you have to make the decision together. Because else you're going to lose the relationship. But then now it's your parents also saying something. No, but you know, you can't take the kids out of school. No, what are you going to do? You're going to homeschool in, in Beaufort Vest. No, crazy. Why, why are you doing it? And by the way, these are real scenarios. This is what you're going to face if you start trusting the Lord. And people are going to laugh. They're going to think, no, you're stupid. You are out of your mind. And then you're going to go, so I'll serve the Lord. I'll do it for Jesus. And may, maybe you're going to sacrifice it. Sometimes you hear the Lord wrongly. You hear something, but it was actually wrong. It's almost like God misled you just to teach you something about yourself, that you can't trust yourself. And then you need to go back and you say, hey, sorry, I, I was wrong, but I learned so much about who God is and about my character that was actually beneficial to me. Brilliant. But the only way that you could have learned this is if you obeyed, if you'd taken the risk. And I foresee a lot of people from George to go into the nations, but they need to be willing to give up everything. Everything. Because this is the comfort town of South Africa. Come here, play golf lack of beaches, and let's enjoy life. But that's not why I'm here. I'm here to stir those people up. We're going to see many retirees coming into George, and then they're going to go back again. <laughs> we and some of you are already retired. You're already thinking, no, yes, George is my place. I'm going to raise my kids out the Nikwa High School. My kids are going to go 
York, beautiful schools. Please just send me away. So we need to get eternal perspective. So important. So important. Okay, worship team, you're going to go. So let's do the first part. You diligently seek him. And if you're not a Christian in this room, if you're not sure where you will go, and it's, it's actually a little sad that there are so many Christians and so few non-Christians in this room, by the way. We must get that right also. Constantly just a flow of non-Christians coming in so we can love them in this yellow bit because we feel for them. We feel responsible for where people will end up. Because often when you think of rewards or judgment, we're like, oh, I'm fine, so it's great. But there's so many other people that are not fine. So let's do that first part well tonight. Let's diligently seek him. Because he's the rewarder of those people. Let him first of all reward you with, your, with his presence, his love, his kindness. And then be bold enough to pray the simple prayer. Say, Lord, okay, okay, your goodness is good enough for me. Thank you for, for me that I can experience this. But Lord, I also know that, that you are giving me an assignment. And I'm willing to lay down my life for a specific task that you are giving me. I'm willing to be a Noah that looked like a fool while building the ark. I'm willing to be a Paul that was persecuted, that was stoned, that was thrown into prison, that received so many lashes on his back just because he knew what he was called to do. I'm willing to be like so many missionaries who went there and just died. One day and just died. And sometimes it wasn't even somebody killing them. It was just cholera or malaria. Are, are we willing? So let's praise Jesus. If you want to make right, just come to the front. With the, uh, come to the front and just make right with the Lord. Let's worship Jesus. <laughs>